Businesses thrive by knowing customer insights because today's insights are tomorrow's facts. At iResearch, we live and breathe insights. And despite searching high and low, we were unable to find a customer insights podcast that answers one of the most important questions in business. Why do customers do what they do? So we launched one. Hi, I'm your host, Darshan Mehta. Today, I'd like to welcome Bryant Leach. He is the Vice President of Agile Insights and Platform Solutions at Innovate MR. Welcome, Brian. How are you? Great. Great to be here. So I want to talk to you because you've had quite a few years of experience in the research industry, not just at uh, Innovate, but uh, quite a bit. So can you tell me a little bit about your journey and how you got here? Maybe some pivotal moments you've had, aha moments you've had on the way here? Sure. Yeah, so I am. Uh, I don't think when I was growing up, I thought, oh, you know what? All I want to do is do market research for a living. <laughs> As I was going through school, I ended up done my undergrad in psychology and was very interested in how people make the decisions they make. Right. So from my perspective, I was I was kind of looking for something that I could translate that into. And I've always had an interest in business as well. And so I was going, I went to a job fair and saw this little placard at the, at the company I was at that said market research. And I said, well, what is that? I have no idea what that is. So I started talking to the person and they were kind of like, well, we go and in, take interviews of people and, and see, what, see what they like and then put the data together and make a report. And I thought, oh, well, that sounds really interesting. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of ways we all fall into research. And that was kind of my start into research was, was doing more in-person interviews on a Palm Pilot. Feels like decades ago we were doing punch cards and Palm Pilots. Yeah, so I'm very much aging myself in that in that regard. But then I transitioned into that and just fell in love with the industry. I went back for my master's in research from there after that position and then ended up transitioning more into the corporate world, doing corporate research for both Nielsen and then Innovate MR now. So you've been around the world of insights for a while. How would you define insights to people? What, what do you tell them when you tell them what is an insight? You know, I think there's a lot of people out there that think if I pull out the numbers and kind of just put them on the top of the slides, that's that's an insight. Well, you have to really try to dig deeper and it takes a long time. I've kind of tutored a lot of people over the years trying to pull out insights and it's not always the straightforward. I think what we really need to do as an industry is kind of try to take data that we're, we're collecting and look at it at a holistic level. Because you know, the insight, the big insight and the big aha moment can be around looking at slide five and comparing it to slide 73, right? And those two connections, those two connection points might make a million dollar decision for a company. So I think those are really what we need to think about is, is the way my process typically works is looking through the entire data set, trying to kind of visualize everything that's going on and then make the, some of those more aha moments and, and drive it a little bit deeper. Mm -hmm. You know, you've been in the industry for a while. I think before everyone referred to it as market research, but now there's a more emphasis on insights and agile research. What do you think is behind that shift? Yeah, there's there's quite a few things, I think, behind the agile space. I think budgets are being cut all over the industry. So they're trying to do more with, with less money. There's also the demand of smaller companies that are coming out and really trying to play in a niche space, whether that's better. I've been in CPG for a long time. So Better For You Foods has been a huge industry trend. And a lot of those tend to be smaller companies. And so there's a big need for 
some of the larger corporations in the space to catch up and to be as fast as some of these companies. If they launch a product, we need some, they need something out, you know, within the year, which typically, you know, those are two year projects that they're working on. So speed is of the essence. And on top of that, being having their budgets cut means that agile is just more and more important in their world and having to use those resources internally is important. Interesting. So tell me a little bit about Innovate MR and what you do. Yeah. So Innovate MR traditionally was a, a, is a panel company. So they've been working in the panel space for seven years and we've been kind of playing kind of the quality sort of aspect to the panel space. And that was, that was really the, the impetus is feeling that a lot of the um, other players in the panel space weren't really focusing on more of a quality aspect to recruiting respondents. And then on top of that, then I've been brought in to kind of lead the vision product, which is uh, our fast and agile survey-based solution. So being able to write and script your own surveys and get them to field quite quickly all in one solution. So the nice piece is you have a panel, you can connect it straight to the survey-based tool, and you can kind of be able to get those insights quite quickly. So for some of our listeners who may not be familiar with the terms panel or sampling, can you give us a little bit of background and explain what exactly you mean by that? Sure. Panel basically is an online group of respondents that can take surveys is really what we're what we're looking at. And so in the days of in-person responses to things like Palm Pilots and the Scantrons, you might have actually talked to someone in person. Well, now almost all of that research has been transitioned to online. I think most companies have seen that it's a lot cheaper, faster, quicker for them to get those insights back if they use an online panel provider. And so a lot of those, you know, responses, and then someone can also take that survey from the comfort of their home rather than having to maybe be intercepted in a mall or answer questions while they're shopping, things like that. So it gives a lot of, it gives flexibility to the consumer and it also gives flexibility to the panelist that is, or the, or the company that is trying to get those insights. And so how do you build this panel? How do you recruit participants in this panel? Yeah, so there's a lot of different ways, whether that specific sites that are offering airline miles, you might have things that are specifically baby specific that you might advertise on. You know, there's a lot of search engine optimization that goes on to try to get folks into panels. There's a multitude of different ways people try to recruit to panels. Our kind of new way of focusing on it is actually gamification, kind of trying to give the look and feel of a casino um, to respondents to make them kind of feel a little bit different um, about the points that they're earning. So it's a kind of a different strategy around the panel and how they're focusing on it. We've just launched it, so we haven't really seen too much in terms of the uh, how this is going to work out, but I think it's going to be really interesting and really cool for respondents to be able to play little games inside of the panel instead of just having to take surveys over and over again. And how do you ensure that you have a representative a cross-section in your panel that, that you can go to for, let's say, national or even international studies? Yeah, and I, I think that is an interesting place around the panel in the panel world, right? In the reality of the panel world right now is there is so much interconnectivity between different panels and different partnerships that we're able to get quite a large audience, even depending on the size of your panel. You know, we are not the biggest panel in the world, but we have a lot of partners that we partner with and are able to get that representation of folks. And I think the one key piece there as well to build on that is that 
when you're talking about the panel world as well, your sample is only as good as the quality measures you have in place as well. So making sure that when you're working with partners, vetting them quite stringently as well, making sure that when you are flowing in additional participants, that that filter that you have built onto that panel and, and those other participants and the other panels that you're working with is really strong. That's really a piece of it these days is, is trying to balance that amount of strength versus in your quality versus kind of the size of panel or representation. So if there's someone new to panels and audience sampling, what tips would you give them? Yeah, it's kind of the wild west right now. And I would say my biggest tip is, you know, you'll start working with companies, but really pay attention to the data you're getting back. And I will admit, when I was working previously at Nielsen, I probably wasn't paying attention as much as I should have to the quality of data that I was getting back. And one really easy way to look at that is, is at your open-ended questions that you might be writing. That's a really good indicator of, are you getting quality panelists or are is someone just pressing JK, JK, JK over and over again? just to get through and, and get that compensation for the panel. Hmm. And so I think that was one key piece for me. And also I just, I will mention, there's a huge uptick in fraud these days through bots and through different ways of panelists to get through into your survey. So I would say there's, my recommendation is also to just keep an eagle eye on the quality of data that you're getting through and work with your panel to make sure that that fraudulent data doesn't continue to happen. So you're saying bots, right? You're taking surveys these days? Is that what you're saying? I mean, there's people that are trying. I will say there's different levels of quality measures in place to try to stop that, whether that's trying to figure out people's IP addresses, whether that's trying to understand the textualization within people's answers to open-ended questions or all of these different things that there's a lot of pieces in place to try to protect against that. But that is one of the realities we're facing is that that is the fight we're, we're up against. And how is the industry addressing that in terms of ensuring quality? I mean, what are some things that, one, you guys are doing, but what are some things that people are actually purchasing panel information? What can they do as well? Yeah, I think it's really asking questions um, and really pressing hard against your, your panel providers to understand what quality measures they have in place. You know, we have a list of probably 20 different quality measures that we do both pre-survey, during the survey post-survey that are all in place to try to eliminate that fraud. And so making sure that you're vetting and understanding all of the different pieces in, in the process that are being put in place. And as I said before, just also just making sure when you start to work with a company, vetting that company and vetting what you're, what the quality of data you're seeing coming back. Interesting. Is this also hold true for a qualitative research or are you doing mostly quantitative? We do mostly quantitative research. I think qualitative research typically is a little bit more difficult to fudge <laughs> because mm -hmm. you know you're you're going so in depth on a certain subject. But I mean, it's it's definitely ripe for fraud as well. I, I've known many folks on the brand side that have said, you know, I've gotten a per couple participants in, and we realize halfway through the qualitative interview that uh, they're not they don't know what they're talking about, right? And so that's that's also a place where it's not foolproof in that sense either. Well, interestingly enough, I guess even to get into qualitative, they usually have to go through a survey, a screening right. survey to get there as well. So that kind of goes back to the, the, the survey part again, making sure that's really where the quality is. And so what are you guys doing that's different to ensure quality and reliability? 
Yeah, so I think one piece that can also help that can kind of merge those two pieces around qual qualitative and quantitative too is we're working on a lot of red herring questions. So questions that are that could be industry specific, right? So things like an example might be which of these five tech firms currently offers a CRM solution, right? And that might be something that only someone in that specific industry would have a really good knowledge of. And that can continue to try to weed out people that might not be specifically in the industry and are kind of trying to get into that quali qualitative interview to get that $100 gift certificate or whatever it might be, right? And then we're trying to do that on the quantitative side as well is ramp up some of the red herring questions that we're currently putting into surveys, as well as, as I was kind of alluding to before too, look at contextual an answers and contextual sort of environment, right? And the way we try to do that is link, say, the question that they're ha they have, or the question that we're writing to the answer. And does it make sense in that contextual environment. And the way we're kind of using doing that is uh, using artificial intelligence and connecting those two together and say, does this answer make sense? You know, there's a lot of people that can sit out there and they can see the a bot might be able to see the word tech, and then they can write something about Microsoft. Well, you might be asking about a totally different subject. And if you are, we want to be able to flag that and be able to either kick them out or, or just flag them to that client and say, like, is this someone you want to continue with? Interesting. So are you seeing any new trends in surveys? So in surveys, I'd say the big one is speed. And it's been, a, and it's been one for, I'd say, five years is, is how fast can you sort of get me some of the results back? I think the Qualtrics and SurveyMonkeys of the world started this. And I think a lot of different research companies have had to kind of hop on board and have their different way of, of focusing on trying to get quick insights back to back to their clients. And I think there's varying ways that they're they're attacking that. And for us, the integration of the panel and the quality of the panel, and also the quickness and ease of our survey building tool is how we're trying to play in that space and have a differentiator. So is your tool a do-it-yourself tool? Is that what that is? It is. Yeah. So it allows you the ability to program yourself. We also have a team that does do programming as well in-house. So there's there's a multitude of different ways depending on the level of complexity, but the the way we were trying to focus on it is really about simplicity and being able to go through that survey and quickly and easily get a survey programmed into into field and get your responses back not within days but within hours. Some would even say that today with all these surveys that everyone's getting and people are over surveyed. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a good it's a good one. I think you know when you're talking about panelists they might i'm sure they're getting a ton of different survey options and and, and um, ways to go through i i think right now it is still an area where we're kind of trying to figure out a little bit of the the best way or the cadence to have mm -hmm. people take surveys but i do think that if you are working with a good panel company that's not sending people 50 surveys per day but they're maybe really focusing on the three or four that might be the most advantageous for them to take per day that's probably going to help you with respondent fatigue people just kind of going through and straight lining answers i think all of that helps and just making sure you're not inundating them with surveys what is the ideal length that you recommend for surveys these days Ooh, that's a good question. I typically try to keep mine under 10 minutes. So about 20 questions. 
questions is, is typically what we try to focus on. And that's what we've built a lot of our tools, you know, whether that's concept testing tools, pack testing tools, some of the tools we have built into our system that are just plug and play, you know, you just drop in your concepts, drop in your designs is around that 20 question mark. Cause we do see that once you get up to 30 or 40 questions that respondent fatigue can typically go up. And that's when the costs go up too, right? The longer it gets, the, the costs go up quite a bit. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and maybe you can explain to some people, again, that may not be as familiar, what are the factors that drive the cost for acquiring sample? Yeah, I mean, I, as I mentioned kind of before, with, with the interconnectivity these days, you're, the overall price is fairly similar for the raw sort of data of folks. That can vary a little bit between companies, depending on how many connections they have, things like that. But the big driver these days tends to be around the quality measure that you're turning up, right? So you kind of think about it as a dial, right? And if you turn the dial really high, it's going to be harder to get partners to first kind of decide, hey, yeah, I want I want to send respondents to this because they only have, you know, they're only going to allow respondents to maybe answer 10 per day, right? Or something like that. So when you turn that quality dial up, you're potentially lending yourself to issues with with price, right? More quality. It's it's there's no way to skimp around some of that that pricing and, and the quality aspect. So the idea around turning that dial up and what we try to do is turn that dial up quite quite strongly um, and because we really want to provide quality results to folks is that the price gets driven up. And we're pretty, we're, we try to be pretty proactive with our clients about that, that we are trying to turn that dial quite strongly because we've seen that the, the fraud in the industry is just rampant. So that's really the big piece for us is we wanna make sure that we're providing quality respondents. There's less data cleaning that has to be done with the data and you're able to be confident in the results that you're getting. And the, and the interesting thing is, is I've sat on the client side when I was at Nielsen buying mm -hmm. panel data from Innovate MR. And so I know that there's, there's a quality piece that's involved in the panel data that they're providing because I've seen it myself being on the other side of it. And when you say the dial, you're talking about quality, you're talking about the screening criteria, if it gets to be too specific, is that the driver? Or, yeah, or so actually, I, yeah, yeah, I can clarify that a little bit. It's the quality measures that you have in place. I was kind of mentioning them before, you know, textual, we call it text analyzer. So being able to contextually understand open-ended questions, making sure IP addresses are, are valid and are correct. And so it, there's a ton more too that allow you to make sure that those quality measures are in place. But by turning that dial up and making sure that all, you have all of those measures in place, it also means that you're restricting the amount of people that can get into your survey and driving up costs as well. Interesting. So what are the aha moments you've had now that you've been on both sides, not on the sampling side? If you were to go back, let's say on the supplier side, what would you say? You know, I'm definitely going to be doing this, this, and this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as I, as I alluded and the one to is quality, earlier, right. Making sure of quality, but uh, yeah, is there anything else? I mean, yeah. I will say when I kind of came over to the sampling side, I had no idea the level of scrutiny or, and the, and the amount of, of investment that's gone into trying to keep quality at, at the forefront. 
I coming from Nielsen was like, oh, everybody must be kind of doing the same thing. Everybody's doing X, Y, Z. I did not know how what was involved in it. It's been a really interesting journey to try to figure out who is, you know, what what the different ways that different companies are approaching this. And that's been a big aha moment for me. Interesting. So what do you see on the horizon in terms of panels and sampling and surveys? Where do you kind of see things going? Yeah, I think the next five years is going to be interesting. You know, there's already been a ton of consolidation in the market and there's been a ton of mergers between different sample companies. I don't see that slowing down anytime soon, but I think it's going to be more, more about full integration of different, of different pieces of the, the pie. So panel companies coming out with survey tools, survey companies coming out with panel tools. I think there's just going to be a, a continuation of this, this drive towards more tech in the industry. I don't think that's slowing down anytime soon. And it seems like every week there's a, there's a new player and there's a new kind of offering out there. So I don't think any of that's slowing down. So I think everybody's got to just step it up to keep pace. And do you think a lot of this is being driven from people from the technology industry or people from the market research or insights industry? I think it's both. I mean, it really comes from, I think there's a lot of people, I, I'm seeing a lot of crossover between the Googles of the world and research companies and then research folks going to the metas and the buzzwords. Yeah, we got to get used to saying that, right? There seems to be a lot of crossover. I guess because everyone's trying to think the the new gold is is data, right? And and uh, and insights. Yep. And these other tech companies are also realizing that too. I think. Interesting. And so, uh, are there new ways that you guys are exploring to garner insights beyond surveys and stuff? Are there some other things that that you guys are exploring? You know, I I think right now there's a big focus on how we integrate the tech into our world and our space. And so there, there's probably a two-prong approach. It's how do we continue to drive continual quality in the sampling space? You know, that's what we're really focused on is, is how do we drive that? And then how do we continue to build on our tool, on our survey tool, which we already feel like is, is in a great place, but continue to drive that even farther forward and focus on that in the future. Hmm, interesting. So if there's anyone in the world of insights or uh, market research and you'd love to have lunch with, who would it be and, and why? I'd probably say, well, I, I'd probably say right now, I'd love to pick Mark Zuckerberg's brain on what this whole meta thing is about, because I have no idea what's going on with that. But I'm always, I always find VR and all this stuff with the glasses is really interesting. I've worked in research long enough to have tried some of the VR options and things like that. And I always think it's really cool, but I have no idea how you're going to monetize that in the long term. I would love to see what he's thinking with this like huge transition and, and pick his brain a little bit. You think VR is going to have an impact or a role in surveys or even uh, panelists and panelists? I don't know. I was just talking to a friend this weekend who's kind of lives in that space. And it was, uh, <laughs> I was, I was kind of like, when is this going to take off? And he said, maybe, maybe about five years from now. And I was like, all right, well, that that's, that's when we can start a company then with, uh, from there. <laughs> so I don't know. It, it's the price point's pretty difficult for most people to swallow at the moment, but it's a cool space, right? Cool thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens for sure. So how has uh, COVID-19 impacted panels and, and also surveys from your perspective? Yeah, COVID-19, I think is, it was an interesting one. I think there's, there's honestly, there's a lot of people at home that do have more access to computers, laptops, the internet, things like that. 
So I think in that sense, especially when you're talking about online panels, we haven't really skipped a beat in terms of being able to recruit for, for folks. And I think when the pandemic first started, I think most research companies freaked out right? <laughs> that it was going to have a huge impact on, on consumer insights. And in the reality that seems to have transpired is that it turned everything up to 11 in terms of trying to figure out ways to more insights faster getting products to market faster and just research in general because they had to figure out a new way of working and a lot of that focused on the research department to figure that out so i think it's been an interesting ride i'm hoping that we kind of are coming coming out of things a little bit here things are going to settle down a little bit but i think it's been great for the research industry just to show how important they are to driving how a business is done so it sounds like it's driven up uh, the the demand for you know, do-it-yourself tools as well as agile and, and a real you know, further push for getting more insights faster and easier. Is that what you're really saying? Yeah. Think about how fast we've had to transition things in the last two years, right? We've had to absolutely work at breakneck speed to be able to keep customers happy, to keep people continuing to buy our products or however it works. Yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting two years, I think, in the research industry. <laughs> well, it's good to hear some uh, positive news. Good night. Everybody's been uh, worrying about the economy and everything. So I think you're right, but things are definitely moving more and more towards online. And there's a greater emphasis for speed and uh, quality and everything. So, well, I appreciate you talking to me today. It's been enjoyable. I'm learning about panels and quality and everything. And I really appreciate it, Brian. Yeah, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye. Getting to AHA was brought to you by iResearch. To find out more about us, head to iResearch.com. And make sure to search for Getting to AHA in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else podcasts are found. And don't forget to click follow to ensure you don't miss any future episodes. Thank you for listening. <laughs>